Well, welcome back to the Strategic Imagination Sandbox hosted by Learning Forte. We return for the final portion with Stacey Williams Duncan and our guest, Emily Ray. Now, the concluding chapter of each episode hinges on assessment and evaluation of our work in leadership. Emily, thanks for sharing with us in the last episode about the the particulars of the RISE model. I know I have uh, regularly implemented, as I mentioned, in my leadership coaching and even in how I provide feedback to those in the sandbox and what they share with me in their submitted content and worksheets. And what I what I'm wondering now, though, is how has the RISE model actually impacted you personally? Rise is the body of work that I'm most known for. Whether <laughs> whether I ever intended that or not, um, it certainly accompanies me wherever I go. Uh, and for that reason, it actually is interesting slash difficult at times because people are quite hesitant to give me feedback because they think that I'm expecting it at some level other than just, you know, reflect, inquire, suggest, and elevate. And so uh, people are very, it's, it's an added level of intimidation around feedback when I ask someone for it, which was an unexpected, un- unintended, um, you know, circumstance uh, with the development of the model. Um, you know, but certainly what it's done is it has brought me deeper into my mission, which is to be involved in more meaningful conversation. And as an educator, creating a methodology or a tool that helps others do that, it feels like it's absolutely what I should be doing, um, you know, to, to keep in step with where I hope I, I'm, I'm headed in my career. That, that is an angle that I hadn't even thought about. I'm wondering if like somebody going to provide you feedback would be like, wait a second. Yes. Am I going to provide her feedback? Oh, shoot. I forgot the S. The, She's not even going to take me seriously now. The, the feedback always um, comes with an apology too. like, I'm sorry, I didn't exactly follow the rise model. And, you know, I should have a canned response, but I don't. But if I did, it would, you know, it would just kind of, um, you know, harken back to earlier parts of our conversation here, which says when you have done the work to um, think more deeply about the giving and receiving of feedback, the rise model itself disappears. You know, I don't stop and I go, first, I will reflect. Let me tell you what I thought. It just becomes these points of consideration in your own mind or in your own moments of pause such that it slips away. Um, and what shows up is something that feels a lot more organic and that you feel capable and ready to engage at deeper and deeper levels of conversation. I'm going to hop in and say my aha out of this podcast is that I'm I'm getting ready to go on retreat, creating probably way too elaborate ideas and structures of what I'm going to do for that five days and, and all of this. And like my aha out of this is, oh, I just need to take the self-reflection version of the RISE model and commit to sitting down with it once a day and taking all of the rest of my plans for all of the detailed list of checklist of things I wanted to look at during those few days off my plate. Um, Because what I've been reminded of is sometimes what we do need to do is go back to a model and do it step by step. And for me, this has been a real call to think about how do I use it in a self-reflection mode? Because I've used it in all the other modes and not the self-reflection mode. And so I'm, thank you for this conversation because that has really shaped how I'm going to look at, you know, my retreat the week after next. 
I appreciate that so much because oftentimes I get questions, you know, when explaining the model or working with organizations or schools, like, you know, what's, what's the first step? How do we get started? And really that is to make, um, you know, the implicit explicit, um, you know, so it is implied that we all know how to do this. Turns out we don't all know how to do it or aren't comfortable just, um, guessing at how to do it. So how do you combat that? Is you just lay down a series of steps um, and say, start here. And so sometimes making the implicit explicit is the best way just to, to get started. And Emily right there just articulated so clearly why we have been so committed to developing a model for experimentation within nonprofits and congregations and why we are so clear that assessment that is planned in advance and intentional needs to be part of that because it is that ex process of making the implicit explicit. It's the process of articulating our assumptions, which lets us clear the way for all of the difficulty that can come from assessment and really lets us center the goal so that we can hear each other and give and receive feedback in ways that are respectful and helpful. Absolutely. And I'm under, uh, I'm wondering here in terms of a narrative, uh, you've talked about the amount of places and, and people uh, around the globe even who have used this model for feedback. And I'm wondering if you have a story that you could share uh, about how this planned approach to feedback and assessment was leveraged in a way that was meaningful. I always like to share my own stories, um, you know, and, and to reach into my, my own experiences just because I have more of that contextual insight around, you know, these different moments. But, you know, when I am able to leverage the model in a meaningful way, um, I find that what happens is that particularly in, um, you know, in, in a course of, uh, learning and development, right, of, of any kind, what you're doing is you're shining a light on on these moments, these ahas, the things that become the small tweaks to our process or the new awarenesses that might cause um, a new and slightly different approach. And so by, again, one of the things, for example, um, I teach in the project and portfolio track of the media communications bachelor of science degree program where I teach. And essentially what that means is students come into the classroom where there is no set of curriculum, you know, like there's not um, a whole bunch of lessons that we go through. The conversation um, pretty much goes, who are you and what are you into and how can I help you get better at that thing? And then what they do is they design design a project or experience for themselves based upon their own individual and unique aspirations and then go forth for a month and then we systematically assess their process all along the way. So they engage in these moments of regular reflection that are guided by the RISE model. Um, you know, when they are both creating their plans on the front end, um, you know, reflecting, where am I in my course of study? What's making me feel, um, 
you know, on fire for, you know, for what I'm learning? What questions do I hold about what I need to do or how I need to do it to get better at this thing? And what are the resources that I have available to me or strategies for how to get from here to there? And then once I complete this project or at least try to complete it over the course of the month, like to run it through that process again to say, what would I do differently next time? And sometimes what I would do differently is I would actually not choose that project at all. And so that is an amazing, um, especially for students who are trying to bridge uh, classroom to career, to have a hard no, uh, to say like, actually, I know that this is not the, the path that I want to walk down is sometimes just as powerful as knowing exactly what they do want to do. It helps to orient them in a much um, smaller degree of direction when they have that as a signpost. So the experimentation alone is so valuable. And then the reflecting on that process helps them next time they are engaging in one of these portfolio moments or assignments to make better choices about how to spend their time and talent and energy. What you just named, again, has been a theme for a lot of folks is that um, when we make those adaptations or when change comes or the, the big word of failure happens, it's only a failure in so much as we don't learn. And, um, and it seems like that's what you're naming. And this process of feedback is allowing us to, to find those learnings in the midst of those, those iterations, if you will. Mm-hmm. As we come in for a landing here for, uh, for this series of conversations with Emily Ray, we always ask our guests to offer a final word of encouragement to listeners and leaders. And so wondering what is one word or phrase you would offer a sort of blessing or benediction, if you will. Such a great question. Um, I think I'm going to go with stay positive and productive um, because for me, that is a paradigm shift that I promote um, with the rise model and with feedback such that, you know, it doesn't have to feel as scary. It doesn't have to always be considered negative, even if you get um, a correction or there's been a misstep as long as you are um, safely and intentionally guided um, in the direction of where you want to go that can be considered positive and if you're making the next step forward that can be considered productive so um, stay positive and productive well emily thank you so much for joining us uh, thanks for being a part of this episode we're grateful for you spending time with us and sharing your insights on leadership. It's a privilege to know you and, and we're very moved by what you've been doing through the rise model and being one of our trusted thought partners. So thanks again, Emily. And as always, Stacy, thanks for bringing Emily into the learning forte circles. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was a um, pleasure. <laughs>